Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Today is going to be uh, really powerful because today we're going to really touch on the, the pillar of chapter 4. The pillar of chapter 4 is all about an equipping church and a church that gets equipped and those who, get, who do something with the equipping. It's not just to be equipped. It's to do something with the equipping. What good is it if you get equipped and you do nothing with the equipping? Amen. Thank you for that. Two amens. What good is it if we offer equipping and nobody shows up for the equipping? You know, it's funny that uh, I see so many people say, I want to go deeper with the Lord. I, wanna, I want a church that equips. And then when we're trying to establish a culture like that, when we actually have things to equip people in various uh, ways, there's very few people that show up to get equipped. And so today, my goal is to show you from Ephesians chapter 4 what an equipping church looks like. What a New Testament church that equips. And the reason why I do that is because when the, prof- uh, the prophetic word came over our, our house about a, m- a month and a half ago, one of the things that came on chapter 4 for our church, uh, Cheryl Allen said prophetically that this is going to be a, an equipping church, equipping people into their giftings and into their callings. That's how the kingdom of God expands. Because the old days, when the old wineskin, where the pastor has to do all the hospital visits, come on somebody, all the, all, all the prayer, all the teaching, all the preaching, all the praying, all the visits of the people, all the counseling is over. That day will, has, will, has produced more burnout because we, they don't know how to delegate and equip others. The reason why church leaders exist is for not for them to do the whole work. And I want to show you what an equipping church looks like. And my prayer is that RCC will become this uh, culture of equipping and being released, equipping and being released for the work of the ministry. And everyone said? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Father, I just thank you for this time. Let's just get our Bibles out. Let's just ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, speak to us today. Father, from your word, I pray that you would encourage us. Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen us and that you would cause us to be doers of your word, not just hearers. That when we listen to your word, we will be motivated to to adapt this culture in our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Now in the NLT, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 uh, through 12, I want you to see what it says here. I'm going to build on this, but uh, again, most of you know this by heart. I do not dare to eschagete. As uh, all these, you know, the apostle and, and, and prophet and, and pastor and all their roles, I leave that up to Harvest to do because uh, he does a great job to do that. Amen. So I'm, my, my goal is not to, to give you revelation of each and every one's role. My goal is to give you the recipe of how God chose to equip his church. Can I hear an Amen. And I hope that this opens your eyes because if it does, and I want to pause and say this, if you really get this message, the byproduct of you getting this message is that you will want to activate yourself to do the work of the Lord. And you will not look at one or two leaders to do it all for you. Amen? Now these are the gifts. Everybody say gifts. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work 
and build up the church, the body of Christ. Look at me for a second. This is a very specific yet very short responsibility that, the, that Paul the Apostle gave the Ephesians church of the main responsibilities for leadership gifts, ministry leadership gifts. Now, you've heard it say called offices. You've heard it called the, the offices of the Lord. Now, I understand uh, with our kind of our weak English translation, people have looked at these responsibilities and called them office. But Paul the Apostle calls them gifts. They're the gifts of the church, right? Through people. Now, what Paul is not talking about here is the nine gifts of the Spirit. He is not talking about the gift of tongues or the, the gift of interpretation of tongues or, or prophecy or faith. That is a separate, that is supernatural giftings. The gifts that Paul is talking about here are encompassed through people. In people, what I like to call it is ministry leadership gifts. So these are the leadership gifts that God has given the church and he is very specific because the revelation of, of this was given to the Ephesians church because it was an equipping church. Out of all the churches that Paul the Apostle could have given this specific uh, task of leaders or ministry gifts leaders in the church, it was in the book of Ephesus. Now, yes, there's other places that you talk that talks about this, but in this functionality, it's in the book of Ephesus. So what it tells me is that Ephesus was an equipping church. It was an equipping community that knew how to equip, watch this, received equipping, and was sent out. Come on, say amen. If you're ever going to grow, you're going to have to get in a church that equips you in your gifting and your calling and that you will receive that and you could go out because if you come many of us come from different churches and I'm not I'm not I'm not knocking um uh, the Spanish church, because there's a lot of Spanish churches that, that, that get this. But the Spanish church that I came from, when I first met my wife, the poor pastor did everything. I mean, if people, so much so that the people would get offended in this, you know, 60-member church if the pastor didn't visit them in the hospital when they were sick. God forbid that the pastor would send one of his leaders, and if they send one of his leaders, it's like, why didn't the pastor do this? Why didn't the pastor pray for me? Why didn't the pastor? And we have this mentality that I'm going to share with you that I'm going to give you a spiritual allegory of what needs to take place in the body of Christ so that we could break this mentality and we could see the watches, the local church expand and the kingdom of God expand and your walk with God to expand. It is, it is impossible for you to grow if you're allowing everybody else to do the work. It is impossible for you to grow. Now, now I, I, I don't fully understand this. This is a mystery, but I'm going to show you in just a couple minutes because I, I only got one verse on purpose because I'm going to break down the rest of the verse, uh, verses a little later in, the, in my message. But it's a mystery to me that actual spiritual growth happens when we get equipped and we're activated. So it's like the ability for us to grow in our walk with God is actually one of the ingredients is by being equipped and doing that which we've been equipped to. We actually grow in the Lord. You say, how is that possible? I'll tell you, but in the meantime, I want you to notice the Apostle Paul, he said, these are the gifts. Say the gifts. All right, so what, what I, I, I want to un unfold here is the two main functions of the fivefold ministry gifts, all right? In the context of the church, especially right now in the local church. Put that first slide up, Victor. The first slide up is the functions and the roles of the fivefold. Listen to this. The fivefold leadership gifts to the body of Christ are to, e number one, to equip 
and train God's people to do the work of the Lord. My job as a five-fold leader is for me to equip you in the area of teaching and preaching so that you could do the work of the Lord. What an idea is that? What, a, what an idea is that? My whole goal is to train you, to equip you, so that you could do the work. So some of you guys are looking at me real funny now because you don't want to do the work of the Lord. You're like, wait a minute, I just come to church so I can receive. That's you to do that. No, no, no. I'm going to share with you that we have got it all upside down. It is not the leader's job to fill you with head knowledge and make you feel good so that you could go out and say, man, that was a good sermon. No, you go out so you could do the sermon. You go out so that you could do the sermon. And there's many ways to equip. The main way to equip is through teaching. But there's other ways to equip by being involved in areas that show you how to serve. Right? That show you how to serve. So the, the function is, number one, to equip and train God's people to do the work of the Lord, watch this, and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, now, now listen, now listen. Now, I want you to get this real quick. Two really specific roles of a five-fold leader. What is a five-fold ministry leader? Again, some, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers to equip the people of God to do the work of the Lord. I want to say this. 10 to 15% of the whole body of Christ is called to be full-time in one of these offices. Sorry, one of these gifts. But 85 or so percent of us, we need to take what we learn and do the work of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? Because to build up the church, and I looked up that word build up. Now watch this, guys. I know we're a little sluggish today, so let's just shake it off in Jesus' name. I know, I know you, you're, you're supposed to be asleep a little bit longer, but look at this. I looked up the phrase build up the church in the Greek, and it means to edify. Now watch this. The act of promoting another person's growth. That's the Greek definition of the phrase build up the church, building up, all right? The act of promoting another person's growth in Christian devotion and lifestyle. Think about that. So that means one of my jobs is, as a five-fold gift leader to the church, is to promote your growth in your walk with God. And the way that I promote your growth is by passing the baton to you, training you how to use a sword so you can use it against the enemy. God doesn't give us leaders so that they could do the whole work, right? Jesus has empowered all of us with specific gifts, not just the nine gifts of the Spirit, but with specific gifts of leadership so that you and I could expand his kingdom. Now, don't be jealous or compare your gift to the other person's gift. Don't expect because we all have a role. Now, I want you to see this because I'm going to give you a little analogy, and then maybe you will shout a little bit in this service. Most Christians, they treat Sunday church service like a spectator sport. Most Christians... They treat Sunday services, or, or all throughout the, 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 um, the nation, they treat church services like a, like a spectator sport where they are in the stands and they watch the leader do all the work and they're cheering for the leader. You think that's funny, but that's how most churches operate. They come to church and watch the leaders perform the show. And let me tell you something, the, the services are not the game. The services are the huddle. 
Here's what I'll tell you that. The church service is not the game. The church service is the huddle. And the fact that you're in the church service means you're part of the game. Because if you're part of the huddle, that means you're part of the game. And when the huddle breaks, you're supposed to go out into the field, which is real life, and do what was discussed in the huddle. That's how an equipping church is supposed to look like, where you're supposed to get to a place where the church service is not about you and I looking about how much revelation the pastor is bringing or how much wild we are or how good the worship is. is for us to get in the huddle together. And there is some talk and strategy in the huddle. And when you get out of that huddle, you're supposed to take on the world with the love of Jesus and the things that you've been accustomed to learning in the huddle. I'm going to give it to you like this. I'm going to break it down for you prophetically, okay? So it's like the huddle, the huddle, the church service is the huddle, okay? And I wrote this down. The five-fold leaders, the five-fold leaders are the, are the coaches. They're the coaches. They're not, they're not necessarily doing all the work. Could you imagine if the coach threw the ball and then ran after he threw the ball? Like, set, Go. And then the, 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 the same coach would have to go and catch a ball, throw the ball, and then score a touchdown, and then go on the defensive side. No, no, no. That's not what the coach does. You know what the coach does? The coach's responsibility is to train the players to get on that field. The coach's responsibility is it, through practice, through talk, to, through, through practice, they go over and over the things, and it's tiring, and it's hard sometimes, but it's encouraging because they're all on the team. So uh, let me pause and say this. Way too many churches have no culture of equipping, and we throw people in there without teaching them or training them how to do the work of the Lord, and then we get upset at them when they mess up. You first have to train. So watch this. The coaches, the, the five-fold ministry are the, are the coaches. The, the, the main body of Christ are the players. Watch this. The church services is the huddle, right, when, when you get to, to, to play, to get strategy. And you know who the quarterback is? The Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is with the players on the field. The Holy Spirit is the one who's here on earth. Oh, come on, church. The Holy Spirit is the one directing the offense. He's saying, this is what we're about to do, boys. This is what we're about to do, girls. This is what we're about to do. We're going to get encouraged, and I'm going to share with you through my vessel over there, through the coaches, what I want you to do. And watch this. When we get ready information, there only is one command. And the command that brings everyone into formation is the quarterback. And the quarterback, when everything is ready, watch this. When they slap and they come out of the huddle, you hear these words. Down, set, hut. Come on, you football fans. You should have. And out goes the people of God. And out goes the people of God into the field, into the workplace, into their homes, into their neighborhoods. To do what was discussed in the huddle. Come on, you, you, are, you, are you getting me? Have you guys ever, am I talking to people that know, have no clue what I'm talking, you know, about? Some people are like, what is a huddle? What is football? What is that? In football, the fact that you're in the huddle means you're part of the game. There is no way that you're part of the huddle and you're not part of the game. Have you guys ever watched a football game? If you're in the huddle, whether defensive huddle or offensive huddle, that means you are in the game. Guess who the main players are? The people who are in the field. The coaches are saying, I hope they execute what I taught them. 
I'm here. We've got it backwards. We're saying, oh, I'm going to go to church to see, to see what, what I could do, what I, how, how I could look at the, the pastor or the, or the leader and, and just really get refreshed today. No, you got some marching orders that the Lord is trying to give you because when he says hike, it's actually a penalty if you don't go. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. There is a spiritual, there's a spiritual penalty when the Holy Spirit says, down, set, hike. And you're going, look at that preacher. I, I just want him to do everything. No, when he says, down, set, hike, and everyone's in formation, everybody goes. Let me tell you, if you don't go, there is a stoppage. You actually will delay the team. Did you hear what I said? The whole team, the whole church, will be delayed if you don't go when the Holy Spirit says hike. But the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit saying hike is because it was already discussed in the huddle what they're going to do. In the huddle, they say, <laughs> there's a language I don't even understand, N40, white springs, uh, white right, left, red slant, uh, double on two. Right? That's the gift of interpretation. <laughs> The body of Christ knows that, right? But guys, here's how I want you to see yourself from this day forward. That you're not just a pew warmer. You're not just a seat warmer. You are in the game. Do you realize that we can't do without you? The coaches can't hope and say, man, I really hope, I really hope. No, no, coach, I want you to be in the field. You need to be in the field with us. I ain't going to move because I, the co I, want, I, don't want, I want the coach to be here with me. No, the coach's job is to train you. Stop waiting for the coach to be on the field. Down, set. And movement happens. Church service is the huddle. Guys, you know what we're doing today? We're huddling. You know what we do every Sunday? Every Sunday, we huddle so that you can get strategy, so you can get strength, so that you can get healing, so that you can get equipped to do the work of the Lord. As a matter of fact, there's a huge recipe for burnout if the coach does everything. You want a recipe for burnout in your business? You want a recipe of burnout in your walk with God? Just try to do everybody else's job. Could you imagine if I preach here this morning, and then after I preach, I run to the children's ministry and teach the children, and then I come, and then I pray for people, and then I catch them at the same time? And then I, then I pray for someone, and then, I, and then I, I can't allow anybody else to pray for someone because i got to do it all. Everybody see me. No, no, no. As a matter of fact, if you realize, if you look at this allegory of a game, that you're on the game, the coach is not the main player in the game because he's already done the prep work in the practice and through the huddles. I say this because a New Testament church that is equipped by the people and the leadership gifts that God has placed in there does not wait or think that they're not part of the game. They actually know that they're a part of the game. Well, how would your life change in your walk with God if you truly believed, I'm actually in the game? Hello? 
I, I get it. I know some of you guys are probably rookies, you know, in the Lord, you know, and, and you just really don't know the plays very well, right? You don't know the plays very well, and, you know, you got other veterans that, are, you know, that can knock you down real quick, and, you know, and you're intimidated and all that, but you're still in the game. You're still in the game. Come on, say, I'm still in the game. The one-man show is old wineskin, and it's not biblical. Thank you for that three come-ons and one amen. <laughs> the old wineskin of one pastor, one person, one leader doing the majority of the work is never going to cause you to grow. I'm the coach that's coaching you to do the work of the Lord in a lot, a lot of er different areas. But I have another revelation when it comes to the, an equipping church. And I've heard people say this, but I need you to follow me because this is a revelation, okay? I've seen, I heard Harvest say this, but, I, but, I, but I, the Lord gave me this powerful re revelation the last couple of days that I've been studying this. The five ministry gifts of leadership that are, their role is to equip the church, you know how, what they are like? They are like the five smooth stones. Come on, somebody. The five smooth stones in David's hand that he picked to knock out Goliath. So you ain't following me yet. You ain't following me yet. But the Bible says that, the, 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 I'm going to show you in a second, that the Bible says he got, he chose five smooth stones from the waters, from the brook. You know what water is symbolic of? The Holy Spirit. You know what water is also symbolic of? Trials and tribulations, the waters, the storms. Why is that significant? Because prophetically, the five stones that David picked up are like the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher that will eventually get into David's hands so he could use them to defeat the enemy. Watch this. Watch this. I want you to see 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40 through 51, and I'm going to share this with you because a lot of you are going to be happy with this revelation because, now follow me, I'm not trying to be all, uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to teach you th this as doctrine. This is a revelation that I'm going to share with you. Now, I want you to get moved past in your mind that this is a story that you've read for a million times, right? Remove past your mind that this is just a youth story, <laughs> right? Remove past, like, like, have you guys ever read uh, the book of Jonah, right? And most of us don't because we think, oh, that's children. That's for children's ministry, like Jonah and the whale. Well, when the Bible was first written, they didn't have youth or, or children's ministry in mind. They're like, this is just for children. No, this was for the whole body, okay, for people. Now look what 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you could put that up there, verse uh, 40. Look what it says. Then David took his staff in his hand. Sorry, no. He took his staff in his hand, and he chose, watch this, for himself five smooth stones. Everybody say smooth. Turn to someone and say, you look smooth. <laughs> right. He said smooth stones. Now, now, this is significant that I'm highlighting smooth, not because I'm smooth. That I am, but I'm not, I'm not highlighting that. <laughs> He chose five smooth. Now think about this church. This is a revelation. You're going to shout. He chose five smooth stones from the brook waters 
and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and, he, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. Keep reading. Right, watch this. So the Philistine came. He began to draw near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before Goliath. Keep going. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you were to come out with me as sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. We all know the story. Just hang tight. Keep going. And the Philistine said, come to me and I will give you your flesh to your birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Watch this. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Watch. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. He's prophesying how he's going to defeat the enemy. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Just a couple more verses. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. What boldness. What boldness. Could you imagine every time the enemy attacks you, you talk like that? You say, you know what? You're going down today, not today, Satan. It's more, than, it's more than not today, Satan. You need to have something in your sling. Now watch. I'm getting something with this because I, I guarantee you probably never heard it like, like what I'm going to share with you. Because I feel the Lord, when I was in prayer, the Lord just dropped this revelation to me. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, the da that David hurried and, uh, and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Now watch. A couple more verses. David put his hand in his bag. Are you ready for this? And took out a stone of the five stones. And he slung it and struck. I feel the Holy Spirit here. And he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank in his forehead and he fell on the face of the earth. Two more verses. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Here's, here, here's uh, look, look at the last verse. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine. He finished the job, all right? Took out his sword, Goliath's sword. Oh, man, that could preach right there. Drew it out. He took the enemy's sword. He didn't take out his own sword. He had no sword. He had five smooth stones. The five smooth stones did the job of knocking out the Goliath, but it was the enemy's own sword that turned around and was the cause of, of Goliath's true death. Put that back up there. Don't put that back up there. Yeah. And he killed them and cut his head off with Goliath's sword. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. You know what that is symbolic of? This is not even the revelation yet. What the enemy used to cut you, what the enemy used to provoke you, what the enemy used to bring you down and bring you fear will be the very same weapon that you take from his hand and kill the enemy because you are equipped to do the work of the Lord. And the very thing that you're trying to be equipped with is the very thing that the enemy is trying to take away from you. If you're called to preach the gospel, he will put doubt in your heart. If you're called to sing, I guarantee you at one point in your life, you will be petrified to sing. 
If you're called to, to be a business person, I guarantee you that God, I mean, the enemy is going to use fear tactics so that you won't do what you are supposed to do. Because one day, with the proper equipping, you're going to get the sword out of Goliath and kill his own head. Now watch this. This is the revelation. That wasn't even the revelation. That was just, that, that was just the silent before the meal, glory to God. Here's the revelation. <sighs> David picked up five smooth stones. The smooth stones are prophetic example of the fivefold ministry. Why is that important? It's important that you know this. Prophetically, the smooth stone speaks of maturity and it speaks of, listen, longevity and maturity because it was through the waters that through years of shaping and years of passing through that water that those stones became smooth so that David's hand won't be hurt when he picks up those stones. It would have been jagged, if it would have been rough, there would be no way that he could truly pick it up without getting hurt. And it's important that we have smoothed out leadership in the body of Christ so that the spiritual Davids won't get hurt by those stones because those stones were meant to be mature, to be picked up so that he could throw it to the hand of the enemy and defeat it. You and I must have mature leadership that are smoothed out and not jagged, rough-edged leadership. Why? How many of us have been hurt by rough-edged, jagged-edged stone leadership? Oh, how many people sitting in this church this morning have been cut by some stones of leadership? How many people have picked up what was supposed to be used to defeat the enemy, but when they picked it up, they could barely handle it. They could barely get what the stone was trying to produce because it was rough and it was jagged. It was all, not four out of five, not three out of five, all five of them were smoothed out. You know what that means through erosion, through time, that rock that was jagged was round and smooth so that the hand of David could pick it up without getting hurt. Do you hear this? This is important because the stones that David got were like the fivefold ministry gifts that he used. You know what the stones were? The fivefold ministry gifts, and you know what the sling and David were? You. You and I, you, the body of Christ, are the sling and the spiritual Davids that pick up what the five ministry gifts are giving you so you could use it against the enemy. Oh, come on, say amen. The purpose that you are getting equipped is for you, A, to do the work of the Lord. How many know that by doing the work of the Lord, you're defeating the enemy? By doing the work of the Lord, everybody, if everyone in here was doing the work of the Lord in the area of their gifting, do you know that by executing obedience, you're defeating the enemy? Do you know that by doing, the, what, by grabbing the, the, the smooth stones that you and I are able to knock down Goliath? There's some churches that are unable to, to have the effect that they want to have because their leadership is so jagged and so rough. That the spiritual Davids in the house can no longer be able to grasp them without getting wounded. There's a lot of people in here that you've been wounded 
by the ministry gifts that have been jagged and rough and has left a mark in your life to the point where you don't want to pick up any rocks anymore. You don't, you, don't want, you don't want to be entrusted anymore with certain of the ministry gifts. Why? Because you've been so bruised. You've been so wounded by pastors. Come on, somebody. By leaders. By, by worship uh, leaders. By, 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 uh, by all these type of leaders in the church, many of them have produced jagged edges. But if you realize something, this is so important because... Now, this is another revelation. If you read before, which we won't get there, Saul was a jagged-edged leader that was supposed to do the equipping, but he failed miserably. He was so jagged-edged, he was so uh, 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 edgy that the Bible says, this is a revelation here, that when David was about to go to war with the Philistines for the first time, watch this, that this leader tried to put his his anointing, in a sense, his experience, his mantle, his armor on David. And you know what the David said? He tried on Saul's army, armor, and he felt uncomfortable with it, and he couldn't walk very well with it. Let me just tell you this. This is a revelation here. If you put on the wrong person's armor when it comes to equipping, you will not be able to walk uh, freely. If you, are, if you are constantly getting hurt by leadership, you are not going to be able to fight in the battle really good. And David could not hardly move in Saul's armor. You know why? Because it wasn't, didn't belong to him. And here's why I say this. When you and I get under New Testament style of leadership that is smoothed out, that's Christ-like, Christ-like, smoothed out, chopped off all the edges, guess what happens? That leadership will be able for, to not only to train you, but you'll be able to be healed from that equipping church. If I were to tell you, and I'm not going to have you raise your hands, how many people came from churches or ministries that the stones, the leadership stones hurt you? There'll probably be 50% of the people in this room. And what, unfortunately, that produces is a lack of trust everywhere you go, right? But it's time to pick up the stones again. Pick up what the, what the, what the Lord has deposited in you through his leadership. Can I hear an amen? So it leads me to my next point. I want you to put that slide up there. It's important for every church to have mature, smoothed-out leadership because mature leaders produce mature leaders. You all ain't shouting back at me. It's important for every church to have mature, smoothed out leadership because mature leaders produce mature leaders. Nowadays, when people have a gifting, they're promoted really quickly to leadership. You know, have you ever, have you ever heard, and, and, I, and I'm going to say this, I know there's a lot of the, my, my charismatic contemporaries that preach what I'm about to say, and I, 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 after doing some study, I just think that that's not the context of what it's saying. When, when Paul the Apostle told Timothy, lay hands on no man suddenly, he was not talking about the way that us charismatics lay hands on an altar line. He was not saying, he was not saying, Fire, 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 fire. Oh, that's, that's laying hands. I've heard, well, then you, you're going to pass on what's on to you. I've heard great men of God say, well, you better be careful who, who, who touches you, who allow prayer for you, because whatever's in there can pass on you. That's baloney. 
I don't see that in the Bible. If Jesus could be touched by, by a, a, a leper, if he could be touched by all these people's diseases and all these other people, and he didn't get leprosy, that is not what it's talking about. When, when Paul the apostle told Timothy, lay hands on no man suddenly, there was no expression like we have in an altar line or fire tunnel, fire, 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 fire. If that's the case, half the preachers would be in sin. Because we all do that. He was not talking about lay hands on you suddenly when it comes to praying fire over somebody. He was saying don't promote someone in leadership quickly. Because the right hand is authority. Come on, come on, come on. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand. So hand speaks of placing someone of authority. He says lay hands on no man suddenly. In other words, don't bestow some leadership responsibility on someone who is a novice because they'll end up hurting other people in the process. Because if it was, if the context was the charismatic way of fire, 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 then every charismatic preacher you and I know has sinned in that area. That's not, he's not talking about laying hands on the sun. Let me tell you, you got the blood of Jesus, baby. There's nothing you got to worry about. If that's the case, you and I can never, ever pray for anyone who's demonically filled. We can never, that, that means, if that's true, if we're going to get what they got, now I understand, now I understand. If you don't have the, the Holy Spirit with you and you're living a, a worldly life and there's incidents that the, that, that the person tried to cast out demons, but here it is. The demon left the dude alone until he tried to cast him out with no relationship. Right? What I'm saying is, here is what you and I have to realize. Let's get over like, well, i got to be careful because, you know, the, the, the spirit in them is going to come in, in me. you got the blood of Jesus. Why are we discounting the blood of Jesus so much that we're afraid that someone who has some sort of sickness or demon is going to, their spirit is going to come on us? No. You don't know who you are then. When Paul said, don't lay hands on someone suddenly, he's saying, don't bestow a position of leadership, hand, authority, with somebody that is immature and a novice because they will hurt people in the process. Look for smoothed out ones that have been trained by the storms of life, by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. You see me here, but you see the end product. You don't see the journey that I've got to go through to be entrusted with something like that. I, I saw the Lord the other day. I said, Lord, what an honor it is for you, for, for you to trust me with the gospel of Jesus, with people. Let me tell you something. He just doesn't trust everybody. I'm not saying that I'm elite or you're elite. or uh, No, what I'm saying is we have got to be careful that we don't, watch this, you're going to shout now. We don't use a gift to promote people into leadership. We use character. Gift is a part of it. But if you can have gifts, and, and there's people that could preach much better than me, but have zero character. And you know what? They end up using their gift on people, and they preach angry. I want you to look at this next slide. This is so good. Ready? A true leader does not produce more followers. They produce more leaders. You know how you know you're in an equipping church? You know you're in your right church? When we don't want more followers, we want more leaders. A true leader, a true New Testament leader is not about getting more followers. It's about getting more leaders. I tell people all the time, when I go to a leadership conference and, pe and people pour into me as leader, I tell them, and I genuinely get ministered to by them, I said, I just want you to know that you just did not touch me. You touch everyone that I influence. If there's 200 people here plus online, uh, uh, whatever, audience, and, and, and all the other influence that, I, let's just say, I have in the, in the nation, probably 
I don't know, just a round number, a thousand, let's just say a thousand people, right? When, you when someone changes me, when someone is used to touch me, they didn't just touch me. They touch everybody that I influence, everybody I affect. Do you realize that if I could equip you, if my leaders could equip you in the things of the Spirit, then that means everyone that you have influenced can get affected by an equipping. Anything that you get, whether it's inner healing, whether it's deliverance, whether it's wholeness, whether it's strategies, whether it's how to evangelize, whether it's how to teach, whether it's going deeper in, the, in, in Scripture, it is used for a reason. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Now, mature leadership will adequately, adequately equip the body of Christ in truth and biblical doctrine. Watch this. Here's another reason. Now, I'm gonna, this is where I'm going to break down the last three, all right? So that the body of Christ won't be deceived. Hear me. One of the functions of the gifts of ministry, the ministry gifts that he has in, a, in an Ephesians equipping church, is that the true work of a leader that is equipping will be equipping people not to be deceived. Out of every wind of doctrine, out of every movement that comes in, one of my jobs is to give you truth so that you won't be deceived, so that you can recognize a wolf in sheep's clothing. <laughs> Amen? Look at this slide up. Look at this next slide up here. Put that slide up. Being inadequately equipped by the fivefold ministry gifts will lead to spiritual maturity. Say maturity. Number two, safety from deception. Say deception. And great unity in the body of Christ. Let's read that again. Being adequately equipped by the fivefold ministry gifts will lead to one, spiritual maturity, safety from deception, and great unity in the body of Christ. You say, where do you get that from? From Ephesians 4. Look, let's turn to it real good. I only did the first verse on purpose. Now let's look at Ephesians 4 again. Are you getting something this morning? All right, because if I go by your faces, I don't know. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm like, help me, Lord. This is a tough growl this morning. Ephesians 4, verse 11 in the NLT. Look at what it says. Already? Get your Bibles out. Look at what it says. I'm going to read from 11 now through verse 16. Now, remember these three things. Please remember, if you're in a church that is equipping you well, you will be... You will be strong against deception. In other words, you will know the truth from the fake, right? You will be, you'll have um, great unity and you will start growing up. Now watch this. Are you ready with me? Look at verse 11 again. Look at verse 11 again. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Follow me. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up his church, the body of Christ. Watch this. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature. See this? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of doctrine. Speaks of guarding against deception. We will not be influenced with people to try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. This is an equipping church. This is what an equipping church looks like. Growing and growing, growing, growing. I'm going to say that again. An equipping church means you're growing in every area 
more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Oh, 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 oh. As each part, not the pastor only, not two people only, not three people only, as each part. Watch this, watch this. Each part does its own special work. Glory to God. It helps the other parts grow. What? What? As each of you do your part, you help each other grow. The other parts of the body grow. That means you guys got to break the silence and start growing up by activating what you've been learned and what you've been taught. The pew warmer is not God's goal for you. The chair warmer is not your job description. I don't see one description in the Bible that says, and he called some to be pew warmers and some to be chair breaker inners. <laughs> Could you imagine? What's your job? I'm a chair breaker inner in my church. I come in and they're brand new, and every now and then they get brand new chairs. My job is to sit and stand, sit and stand, and I just break in church uh, chairs. No, no. It says everyone does his own special work. It means the other parts will help grow so that the whole body, oh, come on, church, you should be shouting with me. The whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I'm going to give you a revelation of an equipping healthy church. It is healthy, it's growing, and it's full of love. It's healthy, it's growing, and it's full of love. It's healthy, it's growing, and it's full of love. How you get that is when you get to a place where, A, you allow the ministry leaders to pour and train, and then you say yes, and I'll take it from here. Have you ever seen a race for the baton race? How do you call those baton race? Relay, relay race, right? How many have seen a relay race? The whole purpose of the relay race is not for one person to show off how fast they can run. Body of Christ now, if you look at some circles, they're like, wow, look at that ministry. I wish I was part of that ministry. I wish I, was, I could sing like that person. Oh, I wish I could preach like that person. Oh, I wish I had a ministry like that person. Well, in the relay race, no one person is greater than the other. They get to a place, and once they get to that thing, they have to pass it. And if they don't pass it, the whole thing could be disqualified. They could, they could lose dramatically. It has to keep being passed. You know what, you know what an equipping church is? Is that it keep, the baton keeps getting passed from generation to generation to generation to hopefully one, day, one of these days, in a couple years from now, the children will be in the youth and the youth will be young adults and the young adults will be leaders. Oh, come on, somebody. You're not getting it. This is what it's about to be. That's why the young people need to start discipling the kids. Because sometimes those kids will be you one of these in a couple of years from now. And you right now will be in college in a couple of years from now. And some of you in a year from now, you'll be in key positions of leadership, maybe in your business. But it's time to get out of the huddle and hear the command as down set hike so we could go. Listen, it's not, we don't, how, how would it be if you're watching the television show and the program and football, you're actually in the stands and the, watch this, this is what we do, right? And the team is in the huddle for two hours. It's funny, right? 
But that's spiritually our mentality. You have to break the huddle and eventually start into real life. All right? Now look, I I'm going I'm to close in just a couple minutes here. Number one, it says unity. Say unity. Unity among brothers when you're equipped and when the fivefold ministry does their job, equip, equip uh, sorry, correctly, the result is unity. In other words, we will be so close in our walk with the Lord and we will be so close with each other that we'll be an unbreakable bond. Do you know how when they got equipped in the early church, they were so unified in their faith. They believed with all their heart that if Jesus were to say, hey, walk through that wall right now, that they would believe it, right? The Bible says that they steadfastly stayed in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine, teaching from house to house, fellowship every day. And guess what? That's how the church grew. Guess what they were doing in Acts chapter 2? They were equipping the church. I guarantee you, if we were in a time machine and we were to warp 2,000 years from now, you would not see, please don't get, don't get mad at me when I say this, okay? So just, just hear me, right? You would not see lazy Christianity. You would not see passive Christianity. You would not see people there saying, man, Paul, that, go on, Paul. That, that's a good word, Paul. Go keep preaching, Paul. Mm, that's so good. I'm going to go to my tent and eat some popcorn after this. No. Everyone was ready to work. Now, I understand that people are on different levels in their walk with God, and you guys need a lot of the inner healing and all that good stuff, right? But come on. How many, how many years does it take for you to get right with God? I had a spiritual daughter years ago. I've said this story before, but it's worth saying again. She used to say, well, Pastor George, when I was in youth ministry, Pastor George, have a little break on me. You know, uh, uh, God, God knows my heart. He's working on me. And, I'm like, and they kept falling. They kept going to meetings after, me, after meetings. I would have meetings in my office all the time, all the time, every week, every week. And they would fall, and they would fall, and they would fall, and they would fall. And I would get with them. I said, hey, when are you going to get over this? And they said, well, just give me a break. God is working on me. And I said, do you believe that God created the world in six days and the seventh day he rested? I, he, she goes, yeah, but what does that have to do with me? I go, everything. Uh, she goes, no, it doesn't. I go, yes, it does. Are you saying that God needs Five years to work on little old you when he only used six days to create the whole world? I said, it's not a matter of God working on you. Is are you yielding to what he's desiring to do in your life? Because when you yield to it, it won't take five years, honey. If God Almighty created the stars, the universe, the, the expansion of the world in six days and rested, do you think you're greater than that? Do you think that, that, that in order for, you're so messed up, you're so bad. Come on, somebody. You're, you're so injured. You're so hurt. You're so offended. You're so angry that it will take God three years. It took him six days to create the world. So you and I have to surrender to what is being taught, to what, is, what God is trying to equip you. Because it's not about the, the, the lack of resources in God's economy. It's our lack of yielding, our lack of surrendering, right? Number two, the, no, the knowledge, he says, this will happen to the knowledge of the Son of God and to mature. Say mature. This speaks of maturity. So the work of an equipping church means that you should be growing up. Now, I want to pause and say this, because I know a lot of you are saying, yes, it's all about that. 
the main responsibility for your spiritual growth is not on the fivefold ministry gifts, even though they are used to train. Your, the main responsibility for growth is on you. In other words, you can't say, well, the church that I, don't, that I go to, that I don't feel they, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting fed or I'm not, I'm not getting this. I'm not getting equipped. I'm not going to tell you in just a couple of minutes, I'm, and, and I, poor old Zach, I made him do all like 11 slides, right? Because I'm going to show you through example how in this church there are several ways that we have, that we have strategized that you will get equipped. But I guarantee you not everyone is getting involved in the equipping. How many of you want to go deeper in the Lord? How many want to go deeper in the Lord? Come on. Seven of you, eight, nine, okay. All of you, right? Are, can, are you taking advantage of your church's resources and tools to equip you so that you could do the work? Are you, honestly, answer that. Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Are you taking advantage of the, the methods of equipping for you to get equipped? Now, with that, I'm going to end with this. Look at this last slide. Watch this. Here are some ways that RCC helps to equip the body of Christ in the context of teaching. Everybody say teaching. God's word and serving others. So not every, uh, not every equipping looks like it's only you sitting down receiving teaching. That is a majority of it, doctrine and teaching. That's how you get equipped. But there's other ways that you get equipped by serving other people in the areas of the gift of God in your life. Watch this. Are you ready? Now. I want you to buckle your seatbelt because this may be convicting in some of you. I want to go through almost everything that we have to offer for the first time here on the screens. And ask yourself, are you a chair breaker inner? Or are you getting actively involved into one of these areas of equipping so that you could do the work of the Lord? Are you ready? I, I, and I don't say this to be mean. But the Lord desires you to do the work. It's time to get out of the huddle, church. Come on. I said it's time to get out of the huddle. Now look at this. Look at number one. Number one, Sunday morning services. To a degree, Sunday morning services are used to a degree from me and my leadership team to equip you through the word of God. The Bible says, and they went from house to house. Well, whatever the method of equipping, whatever the equipping center is, whether it's a worship center, where it's a house of the Lord, where there's a home, that is an instrument of teaching the word of God. Can I hear an amen? So watch, watch this. When you come from now on, I know this sounds a little, little, little um, intense. Don't just come to say, how can I get filled up and, 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 and whatever and feel the presence of God. Say, how can I get equipped this morning? How can I get equipped, right? So number one, through Sunday morning church. Now, let me, let me pause before we go to the next one. What frustrates me as a pastor is, is not so much uh, um, uh, some you know, people struggling in and out. We, we, all, we all struggle with things. One of the most frustrating things about me as a pastor when I'm trying to uh, mobilize a work is inconsistency. I don't, I don't say this a lot, but I'm going to say it now because I know you love me anyways. Inconsistency when it comes to, now this is going to be an old school term, to coming to the house of the Lord. Oh, brother, that's old wineskin. We don't need to do that. No. Nowadays, apps Facebook Live, live streaming stuff has replaced coming to the house of the Lord. You just sit on your couch and say, why come to church anymore? Why fellowship anymore? Because I can see RCC through my house while I eat breakfast. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. 
Not those who are planted in their bed and they're planted in their chairs or planted in their tables and watching a service. That's laziness. That's laziness. Get up out of your lazy boy. Get up out of your bed. Turn off that app. Turn off that live stream and come to the house of the Lord. I was blessed when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was blessed when they said unto me, let us sleep in. No, it doesn't say that. That's the PGV version. That's, the, that's your version, right? Look at the next one. Here's another way that we as RCC equip people, right? Monthly seminar weekends of deep Bible teaching. Now, yeah, you're saying yes, but I'm going to bust your bubble for a second now. Because all you saying yes, hardly any of you take advantage of the deep teachings that we offer. I'm not saying this to bring shame or condemnation to you. I'm just saying stop making excuses for why you are not equipped. We have some incredible teachers that have spent years studying certain topics that we are offering. Yeah, $15 a, a person. You know why? Because we're wanting to add value to these things. Because unfortunately, and again, just being honest, in this day and age, especially in America, if we give everything for free, nobody will show up. Or they'll show up one day and they'll go up the next day. We've lost the, the, the reality of sacrifice. As a matter of fact, sacrifice has become a curse word in the church. Talk, what? Telling me to come once a month on a Friday night on Saturday to go deep in Bible teaching? No way. Got my basketball game to watch. I got, some, I got a park I got to go to. I got to feed the ducks on a Saturday. God forbid. No, you're interrupting my family time. Guys, we, Paul the Apostle would be turning over his grave. John and all these apostles will be saying, is this what the church looks like now? Monthly, uh, uh, I'm saying this not to boast on what RCC has. I'm saying this because I've heard, well, I want to go deeper. Our church doesn't have much. I'm going to show you what we have now, glory to God. Sunday morning service, how you get equipped. Number two, monthly seminars. We're having one in two weeks, right? Look at the next thing that we use to equip people. Use services for middle school and high school students. I, you may think that that's crazy. I know several pastors that have no youth ministries in their church. I'm not saying that, that, that they're bad or good or whatever. I'm just saying they just don't have the personnel to do that. Why? We believe in equipping a younger generation. So guess what? We actually have youth pastors that meet every Wednesday night. Come on, youth, make some noise. Rooted. <laughs> Sorry, that was a forced woo. It's all right. You got it by faith. There's coming out of them. There's a lion coming out of them. Say it one more time, youth. Ready? We got youth services every Wednesday. <laughs> That's all right. I'll take that. It's all right. All right? But watch what happens. Every Wednesday, watch this, our youth pastors come and they drive an hour away from Fruitland Park, John and Christina, and they come and they equip the youth along with their leaders. Why do I say this? Because if you are a parent with middle school, high school uh, people, one of the ways you could get them equipped is not to stay home and have them have a, te uh, a temper tantrum. Listen, by the way, let me pause and say this is not in my notes. Don't ever, ever ground your kids from church. I'm going to ground you today. I'm a, you ain't going to youth group. What? <laughs> I, I don't understand the logic. Like, you ain't going to hear the word today. You ain't going to worship today because you've been bad. That's why they need to go. They've been bad. 
They kicked them out there. Go ahead, get the word in you so you could come back and apologize to me for your behavior. Parents don't ever try to teach your kids a lesson by withholding them from the house of the Lord. What kind of lesson is that? Are you kidding me? I'm going to teach them a lesson. They ain't going to youth today. They're going to be like, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it again. Come on, say amen. Look at this. Look at the fourth one. Another way RCC equips through our Raising Arrows Children's Ministry. We believe that our kids are more than just little veggie tail victims. We believe that we can share deep things with our kids and they come home saying, Mommy, what does this mean in the Bible? Mommy, I just had a vision during church. Many times some of your own kids have said, I have a vision. I'm going to share this. It wasn't in my notes. One of his kids, who was it? What? Sammy came in one day, and I was having a, a meeting in there. It was after service, right? And we have this, this worship time, the family worship on purpose, so the kids could get encountered through worship with their families. God forbid, right? So I'm meeting with somebody. I forgot who I was meeting with. I was, who was I? Pastor John, right? I was meeting with Pastor John. All of a sudden, his kid comes in, never comes in. Simon never comes in and goes, Pastor George, I got to share something to you. And I was about to, like, say, no, I'm in a meeting. But I felt the Lord say, this is a little kid. He has something to say to me. Barged right into my office, right after church. He said, um, Pastor George, I just wanted to say that I had a vision during worship. I go, what? He said, yeah. He said, I saw Jesus with his hands. And he was, he was going around and he was touching everyone. He had fire in his hands. And he said he was touching people in the church. I go, and by that time, me and John were like, uh-huh. And he goes, yeah. And he was touching people. And I know in the front, he goes, I felt, I felt the presence of God. He goes, and just like your son, he goes, and then he just walked out, and then he left. I said, really? He goes, yeah. And those of you who know Sammy, he doesn't fake like that. He doesn't say, oh, no. But you know what happens? We're equipping people. We have vision to equip your kids. Do you realize that we put a demand on our children's ministry so that your kids could be equipped by the Lord? Don't tell me that you're not in an equipping church if you're not taking advantage of all the things that are has to happen. We have to offer for your family. Come on, say amen. We believe in that. Mama Lisa and my wife, they're back there pouring into kids. And you know what I love about the children's ministry? They actually open up Bible stories. My wife will tell me stories all the time about how kids asked her these questions and pulled out a scripture out of nowhere. And she's like, what? Come on, say amen. Look at this. Look at the next one. Look at the next one. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Our Spanish ministry. Come on, make some noise. Make some noise. If we didn't have vision, if we didn't have vision to reach uh, a popka and know the demographics that we are in, we will have no, we will have no need for this. And we would say, no, we don't need it. We're a small church. But we want to equip our Spanish community. Come on, say amen. amen. And so Ralph and, and Lali are doing an amazing job. <laughs> They're meeting in homes. I'm going to talk to you real, Okay. They could be doing some other things. I know they like it. They could, they could be, it's a sacrifice. But we're doing it because we want to reach and equip people. I'm saying this one by one so you realize that for the first time what you truly have in your church. Sometimes, I want the worship team to come up here. We're almost done. Sometimes we need to brag on your own church. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not talking about like being prideful. I'm talking about 
you know what? We work hard to try to bring an equipping reality to you guys. Take advantage of it, all right? Worship team, come up, all right? Look at this next one, Spanish ministry. Look at the next, look at number six, all right? Connect groups which offer a smaller, more intimate setting for effective discipleship. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, I know a lot of people, a lot of my, my connect group leaders are not here, but I want all my connect group leaders are here. Alyssa's not here. She's, she's all my connect group leaders. Rosie is not here, so men, stand up. Come on, come on, come on. All right, so watch this. So there's Kathy. Rosie is not here because she's sick. And also uh, Alyssa, she's in Hawaii uh, suffering for the Lord. Amen? Now watch, watch this, watch this. I have these leaders, I have these leaders here, uh, they meet sometimes twice a month in their home. And you know what they're doing? Small, intimate setting to fulfill the needs of people that they can't have on Sunday morning church. That means they have personal ministry. They ask questions. They get personal prayer time. Why do I even spend time having this vision at RCC? Because we know that there's more than Sunday morning. So right here, Lewis, turn around. He's over our, our listen, our couples, our married couples ministry. So guess what? Every, tw tw about twice, amen, come on. Twice, twice a month, he comes in with about, I don't know, 20 or so. Yeah, 20 or so, whatever. These are married couples, and they go through curriculum together, and they get healed and strengthened in their marriage. Right? In their marriage. Yeah? Now, and then we have the one and only Bishop Yoda himself, <laughs> Pastor Keith. <laughs> Pastor Keith. He is over our men's ministry and twice. Amen. Come on. Amen. All the men, oh, well, there's nothing for me. You're not getting involved. We do. We're, we're intentional to do this, not so we can say we have a lot of programs. We're trying to be an equipping church, an Ephesians 4 church. Every other Wednesday, he meets with men. And you know what? They talk about real topics. And there's some healing in those men. Guess what happens when those men go back to their wives? They're going to be better men. They're going to be better fathers. <laughs> some of you guys, oh my gosh. That's not what I was thinking. They go back to their homes, right? right? Then you got Rosie, who is not here, who dedicates her, her time. She works a full-time job. Two, two times out of the month, Rosie mentors women. Amen. And you, you guys been a part of those things. And how, how, how powerful it is for women to get together in a small group setting. Why? Because there are certain things that you cannot ask. While I'm preaching, you can't ask me a question. Because if you raise your hand, I just think that you're praising the Lord. And I'll praise the Lord with you, right? I'll be like, amen. But I can't stop and say, yes, uh, wh wh what do you, you want to ask? I'm not going to do that in this setting, right? And then, of course, Kathy, she's not over our, our, our prayer ministry. But she has 55 years and older women that she pours into. Now, if I could be honest with you, not every one of you are taking advantage of, of these areas where you could be grow and strong in the Lord. We do this so that your walk with God could be victorious. So that it, it, it's not just once a month. 
And when I said that a couple minutes ago about inconsistency, am I gonna be, can, can I be real with you? It's hard to build when you come once every six weeks. It's hard to be equipped if your only expression, only expression of getting involved in your walk with God is once every four weeks. I know that sounds old school, but think about this. Think about this. If you want, if you want consistency in your muscles, you got to be consistent in the gym. If you go once a month to the gym, you ain't going to get no six-pack. There's, no, there's just not. As a matter of fact, you can't pray a six-pack in, glory to God. You got to do the work. No, 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 seriously. No, seriously, though. I know, I know it's a little, we're going a little long today, but try going to the gym once every eight weeks. Like some of you all go to the house of the Lord. See, I say that with a smile. And then you wonder why you're missing out. You have this feeling, like, wow, I feel like I'm missing out. Wow, I feel I'm not growing. Do you remember the scripture I just gave you? This will continue till you all are mature in unity. Right? I'm going to be real quick. Look at number seven. Are you getting something? Journey weekend, retreats, and classes for deep inner healing and wholeness. That's another thing we can say. You know what? That's just extra work. We don't need to do that. No, but we realize there's people who come from deep hurt and deep bondage, so we have an extra twice a year where our leadership team is trained, and they give you, they go through a journey weekend where you go through the cross, you go through inner healing, you go through mother wounds and father wounds and rejection and all this stuff, and then you have a class. Now watch, I'm just, don't get mad at me. You have a class that is that is designed to equip you to grow you and out of 20 people that go to these retreats by the end of this class there's three people that stay because it's inconvenient we got we got things to do i'm not saying this to knock anybody i'm just saying it's time to grow up and the lord uses equipping to grow us up i'm almost done look at the last three our new evangelism team come on come on We've been in the works for this for years. It's just now that finally Lewis says, you know what? We're ready. He just met this past Friday. How many people showed up? About, about five people showed up to get trained in street evangelism. Come on. And we're just starting that. And our first time is when? In, in the outreach? In the outreach. What are we doing that? That's one of the five-fold ministries. Gifts. Evangelism, right? Look at the next one. Look at that. This is how we're equipping people. Our outreach team with ratings. That's how we're, you say how? Not everything is through teaching. Some things are you got to get involved to reach the people. Sometimes you won't know what compassion looks like unless you go out there. Listen, you, I, could, I could teach you compassion, but you're never going to know compassion unless you get out of the four walls. That's when you know compassion. Not like, this is how you're compassion. Ready? Cry a little bit frown a little bit and then you'll have some compassion no compassion is when you're having a grumpy day out in you and you see someone who's having a has no light in them and no jesus in them and no god in them and yet you're complaining about your day because you don't have ac in your car and this person doesn't have salvation at all that's compassion when you see somebody that doesn't know the lord you go out and you're compassionate for them right and lastly Look at this. Two more. Our worship and arts department. Come on. Look at the worship team. Worship team. 
and art every single week. They come up here, they come early so that you and I could come into the presence of God. That's equipping people into the presence of the Lord, right? And then our arts department who's, who's with Shalini, who's, who's now doing dramas to let people into the Lord, right? And last but not least, look at the last one and then we're all going to stand up and pray. Our marketing and media team providing all kinds of teaching encouragement to the masses through our social media, our RCC app, our website, and our live streaming. Those guys back there, you know what they're doing? Amen. Hundreds of people right now are watching online because there's a few that says, I want to equip the body that's not in here, that's out in the world through technology. And Zach updates all this stuff with the app. You could do whatever. You can have all the podcasts of all of our teaching. Guess what? That's equipping. So, guys, I just went over 12 possible ways that you could get equipped in this church. And if we're going to be an Ephesians 4 church, what I'm asking you to be is to start getting involved. I want everyone to stand up. I want everyone to stand up. Come here. You know what I feel the Holy Spirit is saying? Are you ready? I know this is going to sound funny. I, I promise. We're going to leave. How many are wanting to get out of the pew and of the chair and start getting equipped to do the work of the Lord, right? Here's my prophetic word for you. Are you ready? You're going to laugh. Are you ready? Down, set, up. Down, set, up. After the huddle, you go out into the real world and you get equipped from the huddle and you do the work of the Lord. Start getting involved in some of these departments. Start, listen, every one of you, I'm going to give you a challenge and then we're going to pray. If you're not involved, say, how can I get involved? Whether it's in the youth ministry, whether it's the greeters, whether it's in the outreach, whether it's, it's through teaching, get plugged in so that we can wreak havoc and grab those stones that you learn from here and sling them to the head of Goliath. Can I hear an amen? Come on, lift up your hands right now. Come on, lift up your hands. Say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I'm available. Here I am, Lord Jesus. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Come on, everyone, say that with me. Here I am, Lord. Release your goodness. Use me in the work of the Lord. I'm equipped to do the work. Come on, say that. I am equipped to do the work of the Lord. Come on, say, I am equipped to do the work of the Lord. One more time. I am equipped to do the work of the Lord. Come on, now lift up your hands. Lift up your hands and say, here I am. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.